welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, the radio chick, Annie Ubellis. Join Annie on Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with an open chat room full of her regulars. And yes, you can even call in. Call 917-889-3675. That's 917-889-3675 to be a part of the action on the phone line. Not able to listen live? Not a problem. You can always catch Annie, the radio chick, and Southern Sense Talk Radio podcast in archives at southern-sense.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Southern Sense the right way. Welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, the Lone Star, Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, all the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the mostest, the radio chick, Annie, along with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. Annie, hey, as you know, I'm broadcasting out of the city that gave birth to the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. And as you know, I wasn't here <laughs> Friday, but I did get a chance to listen to the podcast. And I have to say, I, I wish I had been there. It was very exciting. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> our fight between our moderate Muslim and our friend, Usama Dadjok, a Christian pastor. Yeah. That was interesting. And Latanya mm. Peterson, yeah. Yep, we had a great, great show. Kel was a great co-host, as always. Um, always. So she should be joining us here today. We've got uh, two great guests. Uh, people know her up as Judge Janine, Justice with Janine on Fox News. She's got a new book out, Judge Janine Pirro, and the new book is called Liars, Leakers, and Liberals, The Case Against the Anti-Trump Conspiracy. She'll be joining us uh, for about 15, 20 minutes at the start of the show. And then we're going to go into uh, Scott Barrier, who's an up-and-coming musician out of Nashville, and uh, he'll be joining us for the second half. And matter of fact, um, a producer friend of mine I know out of Nashville may be joining us uh, listening in and listening to some of Scott's talent. So maybe we have a hookup here. So we'll find oh, out. Yeah. Those that listen to the show uh, know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to Deputy Sheriff David LaShawn Manning of the Edgecombe County Sheriff's Office in North Carolina. His end of watch was Sunday, March 11th of this year. And this is from the Rocky Mountain Telegram. An Edgecombe County deputy was laid to rest a week after the fatal accident that claimed his life while he was on duty. More than 1,000 people attended the funeral of Deputy David LaShawn Manning, including more than 400 law enforcement officers from local agencies and agencies across the state. The funeral service was held at the Keyan auditorium on the campus of Edgecombe County College, where Manning had received his basic law enforcement training just a few months before. 
Manning completed his training on October 24th and was sworn in as an Edgecombe County deputy on November 8th. His end of watch was March 11. Bernie Tyler, director of the BLET training at Edgecombe County College, said at the funeral that Manning pursued his goal of becoming a law enforcement officer with passion and perseverance and was thrilled to become a deputy with the Edgecombe County Sheriff's Office. I don't believe I have ever seen David smile as big as he did that day, Taylor said. He stood there proudly and took his oath of office to become that deputy sheriff with the Edgecombe County Sheriff's Office. Edgecombe County Sheriff Clee Atkinson was emotional as he spoke at the funeral, especially as he addressed his own deputies. This hurts, Atkinson said. I can't tell you guys not to cry. I can't tell you guys not to second-guess the situation and think about the what-ifs. But I can tell you guys all things work together for the good of God. I can tell you that the Lord of my light and my salvation. Atkinson also offered words of faith and hope to his deputies, the family, and the community. We had a really bad storm last night, but today is a beautiful day, Atkinson said. The sun is shining, and the storm came through last night. I can tell you that we will make it through the storm. God brought us to this, and he will surely guide us through it. Atkinson told his deputy and the family that they should take a measure of comfort in the way Mannion lived and died. That young brother was living his dream, Atkinson said. He lived enjoying what he was doing, and he loved doing what he lived. Manning died at the scene of the fatal collision as he was in pursuit of another vehicle traveling north on NC-111. Manning's car collided head-on with the Chevrolet Silverado as Manning turned to make the pursuit. Individuals in that car received non-threatening, non-life-threatening injuries, authorities said earlier in the week. Manning leaves behind a fiancé and a young daughter, as well as numerous other family members. Lieutenant E.W. Muse of the Edgecombe County Sheriff's Department said that the family is being provided for. The family is being well taken care of financially, Muse said. In addition, the community has offered up a large outpouring of support for the family and the sheriff's office at this time. After the funeral service, which lasted nearly two hours, Manning was buried with full honors in Pine Tops, his hometown. This is read from the Officer Dan Memorial page. On behalf of my family, I extend our sincerest condolences to the grievous loss you suffered when David was killed in the line of duty. To the Manning family, fellow deputies, and all who call David beloved, my heart goes out to all of you, and may you find comfort in your loved ones and your strength in your faith. When my son was killed, the entire law enforcement community in our area embraced us in a circle of love and support. And I know you will receive the same support, the unbearable, less torturous, and I pray for your solace. I hope that your family knows that a nation mourned for you. In reading the many reflections left for you, I can see what an impact you made on so many people. This reflection is sent with the utmost respect for the dedicated service David gave to his community and the citizens of North Carolina and for the supreme sacrifice he and his family made on March 11, 2018. 
This was written by Phyllis Lasseter Loya, the mom of a fallen Pittsburgh police officer, Larry Lasseter. His end of watch was April 4th, April 24th of 2005. Today's show is dedicated to Officer Manning, Deputy Sheriff Manning. It's also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. It's also dedicated to the brave men and women that serve in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into the future. We dedicate this song, Amazing Grace. May God bless each and every one of them. Just go to our webpage. You know what I'm going to say next. Just the name of the show. Put a hyphen in the middle. Southern-Sense.com. Of course, I'm your hostess with the most just the reader, Chick Annie, along with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. I want to welcome everyone that's up in the chat room. We've got an exciting show here today. And in just a few moments, we'll have Judge Janine Pirro uh, join us here on the show and talk about her new book, Liars, Leakers, and Liberals, The Case Against the Anti-Trump Conspiracy. We'll have a lot of fun with that. do have to apologize. I am a little under the weather. If I sound a little strange... It is because I really am strange. Uh, just uh, I woke up with some sort of a flu. So if people watching see me disappear off camera, I may be going to run and hug the porcelain god. But we'll see if we can make it through the show. So we've got a lot to talk about today, Curtis. Man, oh man, it's yeah. getting nuttier and nuttier out there. Uh, Manafort has it his is. first day in court. Ah, 
they're, they're picking a jury with Paul Manafort, and they've got uh, 75 people lined up to be interviewed. So it's going to be interesting what's going to come out of that. See what sort of evidence Mueller has against him. It can be the, the circus begins, to say the least. It really does. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, if I'm to be corrected, these things happened years before he was a part of the Trump team. Am I right? Oh yes, yeah. Most of this occurred long before he joined the Trump team, and he was with Trump for only five months. One of them, that infamous Trump Tower meeting with the uh, alleged Russians with the information on his opponent. So, all this other stuff, I mean, he said he hid $65 million. So, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire with Manafort. But they're trying to use him to go after Trump. And there no, it, there's no is there. You know, what Manafort no. did prior to working with Trump, that's on his shoulders. But, you know, the way I, I read it on uh, um, the left-wing media, they, they, they wrote their articles in, in a way that made it sound as though this was all a part of the Russian collusion and they, you know, were on the verge of some big breakthrough because um, what's going on uh, with Manifold. But I don't know. It, it's to be expected, you know, that the media will not tell the truth. And put things in this proper perspective. So we'll see how this goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will see. So I don't know. Uh, Vorp writes in the chat room that because of Katrina, Katrina and Watertown, Massachusetts, he lost his faith in the military. Actually, it's the military's uh, leadership that we've lost faith in. You can't blame oh. the men and women that are simply following no. orders. Uh, they That's have it. no choice. You know, they have to follow orders. Otherwise, they put it up for court-martial. And some men and women do say, hey, listen, I ain't going to do that. And they do end up in trouble. I mean, we've got, we've got prisons, you know, military prisons, Leavenworth. It's filled with men and women that disobeyed orders. You don't hear about them in the news. It's the military leadership that puts them in that precarious situation. So you can't blame the brave men and women, but you can blame the leadership. So. No, we just march and- Follow orders. <laughs> mhm, mhm. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And there's so much more we got to talk about. Um, we have where the well, Cohen. <laughs> Go, ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask you say, about Cohen. Uh, ask about what? I was going to ask you what you thought about Paul Ryan and his position against the Freedom Caucus, you know, when it comes to um, um, the impeachment of Rosenstein. Well, right. Oh, the impeachment Paul of Ryan. Rosenstein. That's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. That's not going to go anywhere because they're going to head off on vacation and they're going to go out there campaigning and it's going to get dropped to the wayside. And Paul Rosenstein, nothing's going to touch him. Nothing is going to touch that's him. That's true. Sadly, that's so true. Um, you would hope that they would have a backbone and, and they would have learned by now after almost two years with Trump in office that the people are looking for men and women who have a backbone in Congress and every opportunity they have to um, show that they do have a backbone, they show us that they, they don't even have a spine, <laughs> like jellyfish. 
Well, you know, look what they've done to Jim Jordan because he's up and running for the um, speaker seat going against, uh, what's his name? Oh, just had a major brain fart. Um, Steve Scalise is a name that they've thrown in the in the book. He would be a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to, oh, for some reason, I can't think of the other guy's name. If anyone in the chat room remembers who the other one is, he's a rhino uh, to replace Paul Ryan. Yeah. Uh, they love um, rhinos. Oh, I just cannot think of his name. I can see his face. I just can't put the name to it. So you've got a three-way run for Speaker of the House at this point. And then again, Nancy Pelosi's hoping that with these midterms, they take enough seat back to put her back into that position. Oh, God forbid if that were to happen. Holy moly. Then the circus really goes into full play. But, Curtis, um, I'm going to turn around and put our commercial on. See if you can get Judge Janine on the phone um, and see that uh, – if we can get her on here on the air. Uh, so we're going to take okay. a short break uh, while we try to get our guests up on the air. So just bear with me as I try to get everything in. Listen, guys, I got something special just for my listeners. If you follow me, you know I usually don't hawk products. I stick to the issues important to you and me, but I think I can't keep this to myself. You may want to check this out and get in on the ground floor before everyone else jumps on the bandwagon. Now, this is just for you, my listeners. I joined up with Team Earth Water. Earth Water is a company that is faith-based and patriotic. Earth Water is an amazing water. It will soon be the rage of the nation and is going worldwide. It has over 70 antioxidants and minerals. It's good, trust me. I already sleep better. I dropped one of my prescriptions, and I'm possibly looking to maybe drop another one soon. So ask yourself, do you want to make a few extra bucks on the side while getting healthier? <laughs> Who doesn't? So if so, check out the Earth Water link on my homepage at Southern Sense. That's the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, Southern Hyphen Sense. Hello? We're back. Uh, we look like Hello? the judge on the phone. Hi, Judge. How are you doing today? I'm good. You hear How are you? I can. Oh, I'm doing I heard you were losing your voice, so that we're not going to tax you too, not, too much. Try not to get you too <laughs> excited. But <laughs> you've got a new book out, uh, which I loved, uh, Liars, Leakers, and Liberals, The Case Against the Anti-Trump Conspiracy. What a fantastic book. I finished reading it last night from cover to cover. Thank you. Uh, I'm t- you, uh, how many times you go on to a show and someone's interviewing you about your book or whatever it is you're doing, and they never did their homework? I do my homework. Well, I was, you <laughs> know what? You took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say to all your listeners, I'm blown away. I am so impressed by someone who actually read the book, and I thank you so much. And, you know, I wrote the book. I wanted it to be a relatively easy read, but documented with facts and a history of what's going on. Uh, in in the run-up to the election and ever since then. And I thank you for reading it. Oh, it, is, it was a pleasure to read. And you know what I love is that when I get an author on, that when I'm interviewing them and I'm reading their book, I hear their voice. So if people listen and watch your show, which is Justice with Janine on Fox News, and they're reading the book, they're going to hear your voice. Someone else didn't write this for you. You wrote this. Boy, you're blowing me away again. Yeah, it is my voice. I wrote the book. I wrote every word in that book, 
And, you know, that I, I do the opens on my show, Justice, uh, uh, on Saturday nights, of course, that you just referenced. And I do get, um, you know, I do get fired up. And then one day I said, you know what, i got to explain this whole thing. I'm going to write a book. And it's my fifth book. Uh, but it is in my voice. It's so many people hire book writers. And, uh, you know, there's no question you have to have help because, you know, when you're all over the place, uh, but at the same time, it's my passion, it's my frustration, it's my knowledge of the law, because I've been a prosecutor, a judge, and a DA, um, you know, for over three decades. And uh, I was mortified by what happened uh, in the FBI and the Department of Justice, and I wanted to make it clear and support it with footnotes. And even though some people don't want to hear it, uh, <laughs> I think that it is a, a clear example of what has happened by the deep state. Well, you know, you opened the book with a dedication, and I want to thank you for that dedication, because I don't know if you're aware that I retired out of NYPD, and your dedication no! to law enforcement. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, actually, I was in NYPD at the same time you were up in Westchester, so, you know, uh, a lot of things that I ran into probably you were aware of, such as uh, my friend Eddie Burns that was killed in the line of duty oh, when he was guarding his. Yes. Uh, witnesses house. I went to the academy with him. Uh, some of the other pieces oh, I'm sure you're aware of. Sorry. But I retired in 96. Uh, so um, I, it, it really touched me that someone would remember to speak out for these men and women in blue. Uh, so I thank you for that. Um, well, but and you, you deserve talk- it because you guys deserve it. You do God's work and you put your life on the line every day. And that's why I dedicated the book to all the hard-working people in law enforcement, men and women, who put on that badge and believe truly in the American system of justice. So thank you. And I won't interrupt you again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, in your book, you go into, and you talk about the what we call Trump derangement syndrome. And I heard Tucker Carlson use it finally on Fox News last night. So people are recognizing it, that this is, this is a real problem that we have out there. Uh, it, it's, Rhino's going after Trump, and now I hear Bill Crystal may try to challenge Trump in the primary for the president. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they're really coming out of the woodwork. Well, you know what? They can come out of the woodwork all they want, but I've known Donald Trump for over two decades, and I talk about it in the book. That man is a force of nature. You know, you can go into a den of lions and come out with a suit and tie straight, and a lion's had to put on the uh, library wall. Um, You know, they can all try, but here's the bottom line. This is a politician, not a politician until it was elected president, who for the first time that I can remember is actually keeping his word. You know, I remember Obama said, I say what I mean and I mean what I say. Oh, that's hogwash. Here's, Here's what happened. Donald Trump said that he would move the capital of Jerusalem, the capital of our embassy to Jerusalem, and I was there when he did it. You know, Donald Trump said he would destroy the caliphate and it wouldn't take him long, and he was absolutely right. He gave the generals and the military the ability to deliver on their experience and didn't try to tie their hands behind their back. He's changed the economy at 4.1, and I'm not going to keep going, but this is a man, I don't care who runs against them. Americans see more money in their pockets. They, they believe that um, we are being protected 
uh, and that you can say uh, uh, what you want. The First Amendment is for all of us, but they're lit. And it is evident, you know, I go on Whoopi and The View, and, and they flip their lid. I said Trump derangement syndrome, and that was the end of it. Um, and, and in the end, all we want is to take care of our families and to make a decent living, put food on the table, pay the rent, pay the mortgage, whatever. And uh, that's what this man's into. And that they hate him so much tells me that this is Soros-funded socialist, uh, you know, it is an agenda that is anti-capitalist. And uh, it's just, it's not going to work. It's not, but we've got to fight every day. Judge. You know, it, it's, this, uh, is, uh... this is my co-host, Curtis. <laughs> Hi, how are you? All right, just fine. Annie and I were just talking before um, the show came on <clears throat> about um, Paul Ryan and how he's against the um, impeachment of Rosenstein. Our question is, when when are the leadership and um, the Republican Party going to understand that the people want politicians who have backbones and um, people who's going to be more like Trump, a fighter? Well, but, you know, here's the thing. This president has just started. Donald Trump has just gotten started. And no one knew how bad the swamp was. And, you know, I went after Paul Ryan right in the beginning with the health care debacle. He had seven years to get the votes, and all of a sudden he embarrasses the president. His first thing out of the box, he hides the bill downstairs somewhere in Congress and can't deliver the vote. But I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you even more angry than not allowing uh, uh, for the impeachment of Rod Rosenstein. Um, You know, it was Paul Ryan who put in the budget that the $1.6 billion in the omnibus budget that the president signed uh, for uh, the border security, you can't use any of that money for the wall. So if you can't use that money for the wall then they're against the wall, and they lied to us. You know, we've, we've got a chat room that's asking a lot of questions. As a matter of fact, you've got a couple of fellow <laughs> New Yorkers in there, one from Elmira uh, ah! listening in. <laughs> but uh, today, Paul Manafort is going to have the – his lawyers are picking the jury. That's, start, that's starting today. They're going after right. Paul Manafort. They're finding any and every way in which to go after Trump, and yet they're not touching Clinton. So, you know, they're asking your opinion, but here I ask this. They're basing what they're going after Trump on a falsified FISA warrant. That's the fruit of the poisonous tree. Why has that not been thrown out? And if they threw that out, everything would collapse. So why? Well, first of all, I couldn't agree with you more. You're, You're so right. It is a fruit of the poisonous tree. But here's the thing. You know, I, I say in the book, and I talk about this, why isn't that FISA judge uh, screaming to the uh, high heavens that they gave him a dossier that they knew was paid for by a, a, the opposing candidate for president through a law firm, through a British spy and Russian intelligence, and they didn't tell that to the judge? So one of two things has happened, guys, because I've signed a lot of warrants. And when a cop comes before me, as you guys know, um, you know, you ask questions, you find out what are the basis for that request, because it's always an imposition on someone's Fourth Amendment rights, whether that basis is real and you know, how it came to be. And this judge is either stupid or corrupt, because if he didn't answer the question uh, and sign the warrant, and by the way, guys, there were 
three additional uh, warrants after the original warrant. So they kept re, uh, you know, re-upping the, the warrant for the surveillance. And proof to me what happened in the new surveillance. Every time the judge re-upped and gave him power to, you know, surveil American citizens through this private, you know, uh, uh, court, I want to know what evidence they offered. And if they had that evidence, guys, we would have heard about it because Adam Schiff will leak anything he can to prove Russia collusion. But, uh, you know, you're right. There is no evidence yet uh, on the part of, uh, you know, Paul, uh, not Paul, Mar- but Bob Mueller. But they're going to just keep fighting and keep fighting. They're going to go terms. And that's why your listeners and everyone on uh, has to recognize how important 2018 is. We've got to get out there in 2018. This is no fooling around. They're going to take away your ability to say what you want. They're going to draft laws and make things hate speech. Uh, this is this is all bad stuff. And if you want an example, you can look at what's going on in Europe right now. It is nuts. Oh, that it is. That it is. You know, um, the other thing that I, I don't understand is Cohen with all these tapes. I thought it was penal code, and correct me if I'm all wrong, 250.00 and penal code 250.05. It's known as the one-party consent law. So right. here you've got two individuals, and Cohen is taping Trump without his knowledge. And supposedly he did this with all of his co- uh, uh, clients because it was easier than taking notes. Why are they going forward with these Cohen tapes, which we don't even know how they got to CNN, supposedly? Why, yeah. is, why is this going forward? If it was done to Obama, the left would be up screaming in arms, lock them up, lock them up. Well, here's the thing. Um, with, the, um, uh, with the FISA and all this other stuff that's going on, uh, the tapes, uh, for the prosecutor, for uh, Bob Mueller, are really something he's using to squeeze um, uh, Michael Cohen. And I know Michael Cohen. I've met him several times. Uh, New York is a one-party state. You're right. That means only one party has to consent to the tape recording, and you don't have to tell the second party. However, when you it's your client, and then you know it's publicized, that's a different story. You can be held, you know, they can bring you up on disciplinary charges and you can lose your law license. But the question is, does the prosecutor care? No. All the prosecutor wants is to hold Michael Cohen by the short hairs and pull. And based upon Michael Cohen's, uh, you know, interview at ABC that Stephanopoulos talked about, it sounds like he's ready to. And I don't think there's any question. They've got a lot on Michael Cohen. Uh, they they went into his house, his, his hotel room, uh, his office. Um, you know, this guy, he's a liar. Cohen is a liar. He tells Chris Cuomo at CNN, oh, I'm not recording you. He puts his phone in the drawer and records him. So he's also a liar in addition to all of the other stuff that he's been doing. It's very, uh, you know, surreptitious. And, but, but Mueller, you know, after 19 months, Americans are saying, like, let's get to it. And if you don't have it, let's get out of it. And as Republicans who have the nerve want to get rid of uh, uh, Rod Rosenstein, who convinced Jeff Sessions, who's been hiding in a closet since he took over as attorney general, um, Paul Ryan, the leadership, won't let them get that um, on the floor. So there's a real problem there, and thank goodness Paul Ryan is leaving. 
You know, he is a rhino, and I talk about this in Rhino Sleepers and Liberals. I talk about the rhinos, and I talk about the deep state, and how Rod Rosenstein and Rosenstein and Jim Comey, uh, who I knew, he was a U.S. attorney when I was the elected DA, how they all know each other, and they're all pals. So, I mean, this is a joke, and it's only Donald Trump. It's only through his efforts that we're starting to see uh, what we can do going forward. Judge. No, I want to bring up Justice. Oh, go ahead, Curtis. And I'm going to go bring up John Brennan too. Okay. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has said that she will try to stay another five years. Do you really think that's going to calm down the um, left and their fears? Well, uh, you know, I think that I hope Justice Ginsburg lives a long life. And uh, but I think she is a Supreme Court justice, isn't she? Who fell asleep at the State of the uh, Union and said she had too much wine at lunch? Uh, isn't she the same one who said that she'd move out of the country if Trump got elected? Uh, look, that if you don't think um, you know that there's some political calculation going on there, um, you know maybe maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But I'm very concerned about that. But look. We got Gorsuch on. We're probably going to get Kavanaugh on, and you know we're going to be able to have in America freedom of religion. And you're not going to have an administration dragging people like the Little Sisters of the Poor to the United States Supreme Court because they're they're following through on their religious beliefs. You know, it is uh, for me um, a good day when the Supreme Court is recognizing what our Supreme Court, as it is now, um, you know constituted uh, the importance of freedom of religion. Well, the good news is, is that Jeff Sessions yesterday in a speech, and I forget where he gave the speech, so I forgive me on that, um, stated that he formed a department to help protect people's religious beliefs and convictions. So he's looking to see that we re- maintain our freedom of religion. That's a good thing, considering what we went through under um Loretta Lynch, when she said, well, if you speak out against Islam, I'm going to prosecute you. It is a 180. Right, right. But you know what? As with anything with Jeff Sessions, you know, uh, show me the money, uh, where's the beef, whatever term you want to use, uh, you know, talk is cheap. And because of Jeff Sessions, people are not being prosecuted. Jim Comey lied before Congress, and I make it clear in the book. Jim Clapper lied before Congress. Uh, John Brennan voted for a communist uh, for president. You know, these guys have weaponized our intelligence agencies, and they have done everything they can to destroy the freedom uh, in this country, and the American people are not taking it anymore. And so, the, but the only problem is that the Americans are so disappointed that no one is being prosecuted. I mean, Peter Strzok, you're kidding me. Andrew McCabe, you're kidding me. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's in my book. But anyway, I'm totally losing my voice, so I'm going to have to sign off um, in a minute if, if there's anything else you want to ask me. Uh, well, we have one question in the, in the chat room because we brought up the issue of religion, and we see what's going on with Islam in Europe. And we saw what Loretta Lynch tried to do here in the United States. So their question is, is from Vorp, uh, is Islam a, a protected freedom of religion, or do we call it for its antisocial values? Well, you know, if you're a Muslim, 
um, you know, that's your religion. You're entitled to that. There are billions in the world. But, you know, if there is an ideology that's a political ideology, uh, you know, running as a religion, uh, that's a totally different thing. If the ideology is that, uh, you know, you kill the infidel and you're following through on it, well, that to me is political ideology. But And, and you know, unfortunately, uh, we've got to make sure that we are in a country uh, where nobody attacks anyone's religion. But we got to make sure it's a religion. And finally, let me say, so you said you had a question from Elmira. I'm going to be on WENY tomorrow uh, morning in Elmira, I think at 8 o'clock. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if you want to tell that person, but my voice is going. <laughs> well, Judge, I thank you for uh, joining us in your book. Uh, there's a link up on the show page here, so people listen majority of them to the podcast later on in the millions, so they can click on the link, go directly to your page, and get your book, which they can also thank get you. on that Kindle. Thank you <laughs> so much, and you guys are great. Have a great day. Thank you, Judge. God bless. Bye bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right, Judge Janine Pirro, and her book is Liars, Leakers, and Liberals: The Case Against the Anti-Trump. Cons- Conspiracy. Also, check out her show on Saturday night. I believe it's nine o'clock on Fox. Uh, that's Eastern Standard Time. Justice with Janine, a fantastic guest. Uh, we've got our next guest, Scott Barrow, will be calling in shortly. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much. I wanted to ask about John Brennan because uh, she does mention him in the book. Because as soon as Trump talked to Putin, a little one-on-one, uh, he's up there on TV screaming treason, treason, treason. But where was that screams when Obama spoke to Miedved, or oh, I probably mispronounced that guy's name, and told him that after I'm reelected, I'll have more flexibility? It, it was goes for the <laughs> goose is not going for the gander. See, they they missed all of that, you know, conveniently. They missed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. her agent, uh, Dylan, had uh, sent me a message last night saying that she was losing her voice, so this isn't something that came right. out. She was not feeling well yesterday, so he warned me that she may not be able to stay for a full half hour, so I was prepared yeah. for that. Yeah. But, uh, we have more questions, yeah. Especially in the chat room, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot more questions. It, the book is a great book. Uh, it's, it, you actually hear her voice when you are reading it, and she does address, you know, sanctuary cities. Uh, she talks about her uh, personal relationship with Donald Trump her, between her and her, her family there. Uh, she has something in there she calls the Trump boomerang, which well, you notice that whenever they start hurling things at Trump, it bounces off and ends up hitting them back in the face. So she talks about that in the book also. It's a great book. But uh, let's move on. Oh, did she did she send you a signed copy? Actually, no. I had to use the Kindle, but I'm going to ask her agent for oh. a signed copy to add to my bookshelf. Oh yeah. So. Oh, that would be great. Um, that would be great. Maybe you can ask for two. That's <laughs> 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 that's capital oh, capital S. Now I'm just trying to see where I, I've left off because I had. Um, I had a lot more things to talk about, and I just don't remember what the heck I was having here. Oh, well, we can always talk catch, about the Clintons. <laughs> <laughs> anyone catch uh, this at, um, video that was put up on CRTV by a conservative by the name of Ali Stuckey, and she took a, um, a a recording of this 
person from uh, 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 oh man, am I having a brain fart today? Osceo Cortez, Angela Osceo Cortez, that won the primary over New York, the, the communist. She took her answering uh, some questions in the interview and then spliced herself into the interview asking questions and the reactions. And, oh, my goodness, everyone went crazy. The left went completely wrong. Oh, that was so rude. You can't do that. BuzzFeed uh, said that the doctored interview had gone viral with over one million. Uh, the Washington Post pointed to the video search the social media is another example of how misleading information continues to thrive in the fast-paced flow of information, despite Facebook's promise to better weed it out. So the Washington Post was causing it, but she herself said it's satire. She herself said it is satire, but it's okay if Bill Maher does it. If it's, it's okay if Colbert does it, but it's not okay if a conservative does it. No, not at all. Um, they don't have a sense of humor when it comes to conservatives. Not at all. No. No. Now, now that Facebook is saying that um, they were going through all the accounts on Facebook and they've been starting to delete accounts, people be careful, claiming that there was some sort of a political collusion affecting the election. So people, if you're a conservative right now, they're claiming that they're finding foreign entities and deleting the foreign entities off of Facebook. We're next. I'm warning you, we are next. Hey, didn't they lose a lot of money um, the last few days? I mean, billions Something of dollars. Like $16 billion. That's a capital B, $16 billion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I guess you can mm. afford that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Plus. Uh, now, Facebook is saying that um, they did a study to see who is fleeing uh, Facebook, and the study was by Cornell Sur- Survey Research Institute, and the research is based upon 1,000 U.S. households responding of ad- adults 18 or older. Uh, Facebook is more common among respondents aged 40 to 60 and female, not seeking employment, of Asian descent or currently married. Um, eight key predictors of Facebook or non-use, age, gender, and marital status. So if you don't fall in that category, you're likely to leave Facebook. Very interesting. Have you seen the, so now have you seen the polls? Have you seen the polls out about um, Trump supporters? I think it's like in the 80 percentile. A lot of, a lot of Republicans like, support this president. I believe it was up to 86% last I saw. Mm-hmm. 86% yeah. of Republicans support President Trump. I wonder what the independence poll looked like. I'm sure they're <laughs> going for Trump. Oh, man. And, of course, Stormy Watch Daniels. Out. Watch out for that blue years. wave. <laughs> Stormy Daniels is back up in the news. Lo and behold, with all the antics of Stormy Daniels, her husband finally decides to divorce her for infidelity. I <laughs> oh, heard about geez. that. Yes. She's just about in what, about 40 movies? <laughs> it um, took him that long. Um, geez. 40 porn movies. I'm just trying to see um, what else do I have here? Because while we're waiting for our guest to call in, uh, 
Oh, Mike Pompeo was doing a speech recently, and this was up on the Gateway Pundit, our friend Jim Holt. Um, and some an Iranian, he was speaking to a crowd, I believe it was out in California, made up of Iranian Americans. And as he's doing the speech, a leftist tries to interrupt him, shouting him down. So guess what? The Iranians shouted down the leftists and started chanting USA, USA, USA. The, I had the tape, and the, the sound was not all that great, wow. but I was watching it, and I'm saying, good for them. Let's heckle the hecklers, and it was about time, which is what they did. Now, these are patriotic Americans. Their, most of the community there had fled when this, with the fall of the Shah. They didn't want to be under you know, totalitarianism of the Islamic regime. And there is a large Iranian-American community here in the United States. So good for Pompeo. And he was able to finish his speech yeah. with the support of the crowd. See, establishment oh, Republicans, they can learn a lot from Trump and his followers, all who are, are fighters, mm-hmm. you know. And I wish they would, you know, but... Unfortunately, they have a different uh, view and perspective on politics, and uh, they just don't have it in them. I don't think they ever will. And that's one reason why we have to um, replace them in November, so we can get some more true red-blooded conservatives in Washington. And we need to do what we can to get rid of Democrats' influence um, on the populace, Mm -hmm. especially the black community, you know. I'm up here in Philadelphia, and I'm telling you, these these people have been propagandized. They watch basically left-wing media because conservative media is just not, it's hard to find up here in Philadelphia. And there's a stigmatism if any, any minority is found watching Fox News when, you know, he's in the camp of liberals. So, you know, it's, just, it's a hard battle we have to fight, but I still think it's worth fighting to save this country. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Vorp is mentioning that uh, Iran is a suicidal Muslim country. Uh, interesting enough, this is, this is something that I found out, been rather amusing. Iran is the number one country for performing transgender surgeries. Their population has the greatest number of transgenders. And the reason being is if you're a gay man in a Muslim country, you are subject to the death penalty. So in order to avoid the death penalty and still remain gay, preferring you know, a company of men over women, they end up transgendering into a woman. If you have ever seen a photo of the Iranian woman's soccer team, the only term that can come to mind is called fugly. 75% of the Iranian soccer team is made up of transgendered men into women. Well, so and those mullahs are falling legally, that. They're allowing it because they're making Boku box. It is oh, a moneymaker. The oil's yeah, not it's enough. Like they, the way, they have to. <laughs> no. It's like the same way Turkey says, all right, you know, we know prostitution is against Islam. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the imam set up these houses. The men can come in and marry the woman for the 5, 10, 15-minute session, and then you can walk out and divorce her. It is a money-making wow. business. So, wow. you know, they, That's they take entrepreneurial. These that they are against, 
Islam and find a way to make profit off of it. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's a form of capitalism. <laughs> hey, listen, you know, it, it's going to be illegal to be gay, but, but if you decide to transgender, now you're no longer a man loving another man. You are now a woman in the eyes of the imam loving a man. And so you're, you're not a prostitute. You're not a hooker. You're, yeah. you're just going to marry this man, and then he's going to divorce you, and then you know, 15 minutes later you marry another man and then divorce him. But no, that's not I wonder. If, I wonder if they throw like a syntax on, on things like that, you know. Well, that's the fee they pay. They pay the fee. They pay whatever the tax is to be able to oh, do okay. that. Okay. No, it's not about sin, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, moving along. Uh, hopefully, our, our guest will be calling. I told him to call in early uh, last night. Hopefully, he will. Um, this is something that came out of the Ninth Circuit, that that weird court in California, and believe it or not, landed on the side of conservatives. The Ninth Circuit, of course. Appeals often regard the country's most liberal ruled that you have the right to open carry a firearm in public. This came out of the Ninth Circuit, guys. I'm not making this up. A partial panel wow. issued the two-to-one ruling in the case of Young versus Hawaii, determining that George Young's constitutional rights were violated when Hawaii officials denied him a permit to carry his weapon openly in public for self-defense. A lower court had previously ruled that the Second Amendment only applied to guns in the home. According to the decision, the state tried to deny Young an open carry permit by enforcing a limitation of open carry to those engaged in the protection of life and property, which the court rejected. The panel stated that once identified as an individual right focused on self-defense, the right to bear arms must guarantee some right to self-defense in public. The panel concluded that Hawaii's limitation on the open carry of firearms to those engaged in the protection of life or property violated the core of the Second Amendment and was void under any level of scrutiny. This is a step forward. This is a step forward. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe the proceedings were held in Spanish and they didn't know what they were (laughs) judging on. But anyway, more seriously, I think maybe they're they're trying to clean up their act because um, Supreme Court will now be, I, I, I'm hoping, you know, um, full of you know conservatives, and they don't want to keep getting their um, cases thrown back, you know, down to them, you know, for correction or review. So I think they may just be trying to clean up their act. So. Yeah, that's that's a possibility. That's a possibility, but we're going to see what happens. You know, um, I was looking for another article I had here, and I've got myself I've got myself all messed up. <laughs> I've got stuff tossed all over the place, really. I apologize. Uh, like I said, I just was not feeling well this morning and uh, woke up very, very sick, and I was supposed to go to a uh, meet and greet for uh, – Katie Arrington, and I'm going to have to uh, send a text over to her uh, mm-hmm. chief of staff. And I, cause if I got the flu, I definitely don't want to spread it, spread it around in public. So uh, just bear with me. And I think our next guest may be in on the phone line. 
Let's bring him on and welcome aboard Scott Barrier. Good afternoon, Scott. How are you today? I am very well. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Always like to check. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And um, uh, it's nice to meet you, finally, uh, at least talk, talking over the radio. <laughs> Well, let me pull up my notes here because pleasure. you know I went back, I went back over uh, your songs that you sent last night, and I got to say uh, I love the music. And just to let you know, I have a friend of mine. Uh, I'll just give you his first name is Michael. Uh, after I listened to all your songs last night, once again, I sent him a message saying that you are someone he should listen to. Uh, he is a uh, agent and producer out in Nashville. So it's a possibility uh, that you may be getting a phone call or an email. He may get a hold of me if he likes what he hears. So hopefully wow. I'm going to hook you up here. I've known, I've known this gentleman since I started the show, uh, and I've wow. been doing this for eight years. Uh, so he, he respects my opinion. You know, some people I said to him, I said, well, I don't know if this is going to be your alley, but tell me what you think. And I would tell him what my thoughts were. And he'd always say, you're on the ball. So hopefully – we can get you hooked up and get you some production here. Mm. Well, that would be phenomenal. I, I'm going to pray that you are definitely on the ball again with this one. <laughs> That's for sure. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of probably about 65,000 songwriters, musicians, and singers in Nashville at this point, uh, you know, doing what everybody else is doing here, pursuing my dreams, uh, re- because uh, I would love to uh, – reach my goals as a, as a successful commercial songwriter and, and share music with the world. That, that's been my goal and my dream for, for a long, long time to, to hopefully change people's lives in a better way through music. Well, tell people about yourself because you're not from Nashville. You're actually an East Coast boy. That is correct. Um, I, uh, it's, it's funny. I, I come from the state of Maryland, and a lot of people think that when they think of Maryland, they think of the Chesapeake Bay, and they think of Baltimore City, and they think of Washington, D.C. It's pretty much representing the state. They don't realize that it, it is mostly uh, a state filled with farmland. It's very rural. And so I was raised in northern Baltimore County off of uh, you know, I-83, Harrisburg Expressway. But you go north until you see nothing but cows, trees, fields, barns on either side of you and then you make a left that's where i lived literally in the middle of nowhere uh and i i actually was a country boy and i am not one of those guys who showed up in nashville and never worked on a farm i, I actually did i cleaned stalls i, I bailed hay uh, i did what what farm kids do country kids do and, and so i, I kind of lived that life that that dream growing up that way uh and, and along the way i uh i fell in love with music just by you know listening to really uh, my sister playing her music through her door in my house because she wouldn't let me in her room, and she was the one with the record player and the radio. So I'd sit outside her door and just listen to her. I know, right? And so that was the closest I could get to music for a while. <laughs> so thanks to my older sister playing whatever she was playing and me sitting outside and not allowed in her room, I was starting to love music. Um, and eventually uh, my grandmother bought me a radio, and, and so I just got hooked on everything I heard. Um, and in, in school, you know, we, of course they had, you know, 
a little bit of chorus and a little bit of this and that and a little you know music uh and uh, and so I, I was just falling in love with everything, just absorbing it all. For some reason, I just couldn't get enough of music. And for a little kid, I seemed to know a lot uh, of, of the artists on the radio and the songs. And when I was around older kids, I'd start talking about these songs. And they're like, you're too young to know this. There's no way that you know all these artists and all these songs and you memorize them and stuff. And I said, I don't know. I just do. I just I just eat it up. Um, and so that, that started my love affair very, very young with with music and uh eventually I joined the band and I played trumpet and I joined chorus and I did that sort of thing and and uh and just had a great time uh just just being being around it and and my the bug was caught really early that that's the point <laughs> so it started back in Maryland <laughs> way back when way back when so <laughs> well the first song I'm going to play up is called solid and you you wrote this song in a response to someone else. Tell us about this, the background of the song. And you wrote this with two other people. Uh, yes, uh, Gary Cavanaugh and a young artist uh, from Texas named Jensen Colley. And uh, Jensen is is a good he's a good kid. He's from a, a solid Christian conservative family out of Texas. Uh, and and he was one day talking about. We were talking about the song "Love Me Like You Mean It" from Kelsey Ballerini, uh, and she she wanted someone who was real, who was honest, who was going to be there, and to love, really just love her for her, and and that was our our response song really to that, to, because there, there just seems like so much of what's going on in the United States is like guys are getting a bad rap for being predators, and guys are getting a bad rap for not keeping their word, and. And uh, there's just so much out of that with the, the Me Too movement. Guys are not getting a, a good shake right now, and we don't have some good representatives. And so, really, we wrote that song for, for Jensen as an artist, really to, to say, hey, there's a guy, there are guys out here that really do uh, you know, care about women and, and their values and respect them and want to show that respect and really give them true love and, and have, have a really an ethical relationship instead of just something that's one night and all this other stuff. All right. Well, I got it keyed up. Let me play solid and we'll be back in a second. I'm gonna 
Chat room is loving it. We've got one person in there <laughs> dancing. Uh, we've got another person saying excellent, excellent. Someone else saying great song. Oh man! And of course, we've got our our, our resident swinging course in the room, Vorp, that says woman values, feminism. I have only one way of thinking, and that's American values. Anything else is my enemy. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's correct, and that is part of what it, what we, without being too uh, obvious, wanted to sort of have hints of that about that there really are decent people in this country that want to live by values and and want to uh, really represent, you know, the American values in in the American way, which is a higher ideal of living, in my opinion, uh, and trying to be role models, not only for themselves, for their communities, for the country, and hopefully for the world, too. And so hopefully we sort of hinted in that about, uh, you know, a young guy, because Jensen's very young, who you know wants to do the right thing, and they follow up and they keep their word. So, so I'm, I, I really like that song just for that right there, and uh, I hope it it touches a lot of a lot of young people in particular. Well, you know, our our Canadian friend Kel, who also has her own radio show, said not only are you talented, but she said gorgeous. You when I was looking at. For pictures of you, most of your pictures has your ha- your face hidden. What's up with that? Well, it, it's, you might find this hard to believe because I sort of talk and I ramble on, but I, I find that sometimes I'm a little shy, and I, I find that when I when I perform myself, because I don't perform as much as I used to. Um, when I just a, a quick quick history, when I first came to Nashville, I was uh, trying to be be an artist, and I think I showed my face a lot more. <laughs> Um, and uh, I, I performed quite a lot because I was trying to make it. Really, I was a pop rock artist, which is so funny. And I, I was living with uh, country writers, and that's they're the ones eventually that got me writing toward country. But uh, you know, the story here is that uh, I showed my face a whole lot more when I was on stage and I was trying to make it. And then over time, I just kind of like putting on a hat. I, I guess in my own way, I'm one of those. Uh, Nashville hat acts. It just happens to be like, you know, golf hats and, and other little, uh, when it's cold outside. So, uh, I, so I guess you're telling me that I need to get some updated pictures where people can see my face. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> you know, you were, <laughs> it's either that or if you do, um, uh, like some of the artists do, they wear the cowboy hat down so low, you barely see their nose. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if I, I guess I kind of like started emulating that in a way, uh, just with my own hats. You know, cause I think because Tim McGraw had like this one uh, way back when he got, I think when Indian Outlaw came out, his his album, he had his hat pulled way down. I thought, that dude looks cool. I want to look cool like that guy with the hat pulled down. You can kind of see his face. He's a little mysterious. So, you know, I, I guess it's up to people to decide when they see me play. Am I trying to be mysterious? I don't even know. But I'll just go with that line. 
I'm, I'm the mysterious songwriter in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next song I want to talk about is a song called Can't Do Both, which I found very, mm-hmm. very uh, touching. And also, it's along the same lines as the previous song. You know, stick with your values, stick with your gut. Uh, is yeah. what I got out of that. You wrote this with uh, Jan Buckingham, and you have this sung by yes. Matt Dame. Tell us about the song. Yeah, uh, well, Jan Buckingham, uh, she just turned 70 this year, uh, but she has been writing number ones for, gosh, 30 years <laughs> about that. Um, and uh, just to give you a little background about Jan, she started in L.A., as a writer, and she got songs recorded by Whitney Houston and other artists like that. Uh, and then she came to Nashville to try her hand at writing country music, and she's brilliant. So she started getting uh, cuts with major uh, country stars uh, and, and had some, uh, was nominated for some Grammys along the way with some of those. Uh, and she and I became friends about a year or two ago, and she approached me to write. And uh, it was just one, one day we sat down, and one of our co-writes about half a year ago, and she said, I was at a writer's night, and I was in a round with, uh, and she didn't tell me what their names were, Uh, she said an an older gentleman who was playing and a young guy, and she said uh, after the older gentleman played his song, the young guy looked at him and said, when I grow up, I want to be just like you, And and the older gentleman said, son, you can't do both. (laughs) You gotta choose, you just be, he said, be yourself. He said, you, you got to find you, and you got to decide what your passions are and your dreams, and, and you've got to decide who you are and what you want to be, and follow that. That's the best path in life to do. Well, let me get this one keyed up and okay. get my little mixer board going, and here we go. Right. Can't do both. Songs on stage. He sang pretty good for a man his age. Young man beside him said, I love your stuff. I want to be like you when I grow up. Son, you can't do both.
because he's probably in his 40s now. And when he was much younger, he was trying to make it as an, as an artist, as a recording artist, and didn't. Um, and he, he moved away and, and went and had a family and had another career in life. And uh, as his kids got older, he wanted to be around music, so they, they moved back here. And uh, he fell into becoming a demo singer. And and that's how he's making his living, and he's doing really well at it. He's, he's full-time, and... And that, which brings up an interesting thing that I guess a lot of people don't know about Nashville is we have a whole industry here of world-class singers that probably should have made it, but for whatever reasons didn't, or they're still trying to make it, and they make a great living singing songs, uh, what we call demos or demonstration uh, versions of the songs that we as songwriters uh, eventually pitched to the major labels and we hope that the, the, the major artists record these songs and, and become big hits. Uh, but, but I don't think a lot of people know about really the unsung, another class of unsung heroes here in Nashville, which is the demo singer. They're just as good as anybody on, uh, on the radio, if not better in some cases, but for whatever reasons they, they're where they are. Um, and some choose to be here like Matt, but in my opinion, Matt, should be all over the radio with that voice. But, you know, and that's why I love to, he's one of my favorite singers, demo singers in town, and I love to use him for some of my songs. Well, that was Scott, my question. You know, how, do you, how do you get these people to work with you? Where do you find them? And this is a whole area of music I have no idea about. That There are these demo singers and other yes. writers you know, that collaborate. It is an interesting uh, segment of the society. Yes, it, it's very unique what we have here in Nashville, and and that's you know we're we're called Music City USA, as as most people probably have heard by now, uh, and really the the main reason I mean of course we're the we're the home of country music, but also is because we're really the home of songwriting uh, for the most part, uh, in in some ways we're one of the hubs around around the entire world, and and people come here from all over the world uh, to write. And, and all kinds of music. People don't know that, that you know, me, me and others like myself that are really commercial writers, we write everything. We'll write country, pop, rock, folk, um, you know, whatever comes our way. I've been writing uh, with, you know, my, my team of co-writers like Donna DeSopo uh, for film and TV. As a matter of fact, uh, this is a side note, but we just got a, a, a a Christmas song picked up for a, a Hallmark movie for this year <laughs> um, called The Gift of Christmas. And it's just funny because we, we write everywhere. And, and the way that Nashville works is 
the way to really become more successful is to build a network of songwriters and singers and artists together and you collaborate. I mean, that's the biggest thing is, is if you want to find a way to a pathway to success in Nashville as a writer, you collaborate with other writers. You bring what's strong about your writing uh, to the room, to whatever writing room you happen to be in on Music Row. And so if, if, if I'm a better lyricist and I know somebody who's a better composer, we come together and make a better song. And then out of that, over time, we meet uh, a lot of times these singers just in writer's nights because they're, they're looking for ways to kind of continue to do their art. Um, and we'll approach some of these singers and say, I love your voice. Would you love to sing on my, my demo, my, my song? Um, and if, if they're interested, we'll, we'll uh, set that up with one of the millions of studios <laughs> that are here in Nashville. Um, and like, uh, or uh, in the case of Matt Dame, he came by word of mouth. You know, if I, my co-writers and I will ask, hey, we need a singer that sounds like this. They would fit this song and give it this feel and kind of sound like so-and-so, you know, whatever large artists we're going for or type of placement. And, and that's, that's pretty much how we find these singers by just networking like crazy. And it becomes a whole huge community. It becomes a family over time because we have this shared dream, this shared passion and love. And it's, it's really every day is living a dream when you're able to do this like myself. And I'm very blessed um, but it is it is a whole world that people don't know exists. This whole thing about collaborating uh, as writers, collaborating as artists, and and really bringing great music to the world, bringing it from nothing to something amazing with all these talents. Scott. Yeah, it is yes. your music, absolutely amazing. Your music is very ahead, refreshing. Your music is refreshing and positive. Um, so many artists today feel like. To be a commercial success, they have to be, you know, sleazy sometimes in the gutter with their music. But yours is, like I said, very positive. Um, do you have any way of knowing if your music is reaching a lot of young people? At, at this point, no, uh, I, I don't. Um, every now and then uh, I'll get a note from someone. But it's it's interesting because I'm behind the scenes and I'm I'm pretty much – uh, working my songs through other artists or working with artists to get it out to the world. I honestly uh, don't know at this point how many people I am touching, but I, I'm just like what we're doing today, uh, putting these songs and these messages on radio and doing that as, as much as possible is, is one of the ways, in my opinion, and promoting these songs to get messages like this out to people and finding ways and, and just to, and, and I'm still looking, to be honest. I'm still looking for ways to get it out to them. So I have no idea how many I'm touching, to be honest, at this point. <laughs> have you ever thought of compiling your favorite ones that you've done into a a, a collection, an album of some sort? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I've I've been really kind of considering that because when I when I left being a recording artist and a, and a performance artist. I, I started to hand all that over as far as uh, doing a, a recording project to artists that I work with or pitching my songs to other artists. But it's, it's interesting, the last year or two, uh, I've been approached quite a bit at some of these writers' clubs here in Nashville when I play out and people asking for my music. So I think God and the universe is trying to tell me something. I need to put something together. Uh, uh, otherwise, um, I do use SoundCloud. 
And uh, I set up a site really for my publishing company called Scott Barrier Music. And if you go onto SoundCloud and look for Scott Barrier Music, I have put a collection of the songs um, that I've had recorded by these demo singers put up there so people can access that if, if they go looking. And that's the one place right now they can find that. Uh, and, and like we were just discussing about the, uh, de- the demo singers, you know, who really, in my opinion, they, I'd, I'd love to get them all record deals, but I guess the universe doesn't always work that way. Uh, it's my way of showcasing them to the world because I'm a fan of them just like anybody else. I'm a fan of music, so I'm, I'm a fan of their vocals. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's in the meantime, while I'm trying to figure out how to get something recorded or what I'm going to do, the, the SoundCloud site would be the best place if people want to go find something. Well, I'm going to have to update the show page uh, because I have your Facebook link there. I did not find the SoundCloud, which I'm looking for right now, and I okay. got you. Yeah. You found uh, it good because that's fairly oh, new. I, uh, yes. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, one of the I'm things I'm going to update that, that show yep. page. Great. <laughs> Well, we, the majority of people that listen, uh, listen to the uh, podcast in the archives later on. So that way, when yep. they're listening and they hear the voice, they know that uh, to go to this link, which I'm going to change right now, and awesome. that'll be Thank the best you. way, which is done. All right. So that they can go directly to that link and listen to your music. Um, well, the next one I have up called Some People. And I had to yep. laugh because I thought about... <laughs> When I went and divorced my first husband, um, mm. and you you have it where the people walk away so politely. Uh, I know I've, I've told this story many times, but I don't know if I've ever said it over the uh, the radio because I try to keep my show the language kind of clean uh, on the show, uh, so I don't I can have young kids listen and learn the conservative Christian message, uh, but. When I walked out on my husband, the last thing I did is I picked up the cat as I was walking out the door. And he goes, where are you going with the cat? And the cat's name was Moisha Diane, by the way. And I said, well, if you don't want one, and I used the word, the P word, if you don't want one, you're not getting the other. And I walked out the door. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, Hopefully... uh, Hopefully uh, your listeners aren't are too shocked by that, but it's life. It's life. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, you're right. some some relationships do uh, end badly and loudly, and and not not so well for themselves and for others around them. Uh, yeah, but you know, when I wrote the song with Victoria Banks and Sarah DeFores. We, we were talking about that, that place where you come to once that, that major part of that is over, either the pain or the conflict or the drama, where you, you find a place, either you're tired or, or you come to a place of peace and, and you just reach a point with somebody where we just need to bury the hatchet and let this go. This is not good for either of us and it's, it's too destructive. And so we've reached a point where let's just call it Let's just say, you know, we loved each other uh, and it's just not working for whatever reasons and we don't need to fight about this. It's just let it go. Let, just let, just let it go. Well, 
Well, you know, we've, we've got a full chat room here on the Lot Talk Radio. Also, you're live. Uh, I have the video playing up on YouTube and Facebook, as well as I've got someone listening in on um, Skype. So Lord knows where half the listeners are at this moment, but we're getting a lot of great comments. Uh, I, I love awesome. my story. <laughs> <laughs> I love your story. I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, I didn't know I'd pull it out of you today, but um, you're welcome. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, so. my my friend in the chat room, Sasquatch, said, "Well, if you're gonna grab the pee, make make it count." <laughs> oh man! Well, it we'll sounds like you, you definitely made it. You, uh, it's almost like you did a mock uh, a mic drop going out the door. Um, like, there's my microphone. I'm not gonna drop the cat, but there you go, mic drop. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> so. Oh man. Well, let's uh, get a little of the sound, Some People. So here is Some People, written by Scott Barrier, and this is uh, sung by A.J. Cross, right? Here we go. Yes, A.J. is another one that he's trying to get a record deal. Nope. It's not your fault, and it's not mine. Not the way we planned, but that's alright. Yeah, it hurts and it's hard and we scraped and we're scarred, but it is what it is and we are who we are. The past is the past and there's no going back again. Some hearts can take a beat, some hearts are gonna break, some stars will be your compass, some shine and fade away. Some magic catch a wildfire, some never catch a spark. Some people fall together, some people fall apart. It ain't fair, but it ain't meant to be. What you want ain't always what you need. All the shoes and colors you see so clear Cause they're right there sitting in the rear view mirror Leave them where you left them and don't let them get you down Some hearts can take a beat Some hearts are gonna break Some stars will be your compass Some shine and fade away Some matches catch a wildfire Some never catch a spark some people fall together, some people fall apart. Sorry, I cut you off as just as you're explaining about AJ Cross uh, saying that he wants <laughs> Sorry about that. a recording contract too. Uh, and, but we've got people saying, "Sign him up, 
sign them up. They love your music and they love the people that you're working with. Oh, I'm I'm so glad someone pointed me in your direction. That's awesome. Uh, who was it that pointed pointed you in my direction? Any idea that, who that was? I'm, I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna have to try to remember. Uh, it might have been Mark Sutherland, who's a uh, movie producer out in uh, London, England area, uh, or it may have been wow. someone else. But well, someone, I I get I get hundreds and hundreds of emails, uh, and. I toss them aside. I try to sit through them, but something about yours caught my eye and said, let me, let me check out the music. And you sent me the songs. Um, I think someone on LinkedIn may have been the one that told me to check out. Cause I know that you and I connected first on LinkedIn. Yes. So it may have been someone that t- on LinkedIn that did that. It's possible. It is possible. Um, the next song I'm going to talk about, cause the last three you sent me, you didn't send me the lyrics. So I listened through them. Uh, there was no, whole to do you just gave me a brief description but this one's called grace now i haven't yes. asked you any personal questions such as if you're married or if you have kids but i put my question on here is this about your daughter no actually um my my co-writer andy renfrey was talking about a friend of of hers who had a daughter named grace uh and she brought me the idea i i had a uh I had a musical composition that I wrote and, and the guitar pieces that I put together. Uh, when, when Andy came to write, I played the music for her and, and she said, well, I have one set of lyrics and those didn't work. And she said, I have another one called Grace. Uh, and, and so she was really talking about, and I'm sure she could let me say this on the air. She and her husband are, are the Renfries and they're, they're pretty well known in Texas but they live in Nashville right now. But to make money, they go back and play big shows. Uh, and on the way back, Andy's husband, Ren, the other half of the duo, uh, got a little road rage, got a, a lot of road rage. And so she was sitting in, in her passenger seat saying, God, please give this man a little grace. He needs a little grace. And so it hit her there as they're driving back from Texas to start writing lyrics for the song. Uh, and as we were talking about the song and writing it, we started to talk about, you know, a friend of hers who had a daughter named Grace and how it changed her life and, and really brought, uh, it's funny, a Grace into her life. And, and it's just so funny that she would call her daughter Grace because her daughter did just that. Uh, and, and, but, you know, the whole song uh, is, is really more broad spectrum in this country where there's so much anger and hate and division and violence we wanted to write a, a song uh, about a step, step back for a second, everybody step back. We lost our civility. We lost our civil discourse in this country, you know, and, and a lot of what makes America amazing is, you know, the peaceful transfer of power and, and the right to, you know, peacefully assemble and discuss our differences and also what we have in common. Uh, but we've lost that right now for various reasons that I could go into and take about three or four hours probably to talk about. But, uh, you know, the, the long and short of it is we wanted to write a song to, to touch people and say, just take a moment and, and take a step back, find a little grace because things will come to you in life, you know, when you're having a hard time. But on the flip side, when good things do come to you, accept that grace too. 
accept that grace as well. And, and so it's, it's, it's funny. I, people have asked me about, uh, you know, do I have a daughter named Grace? No, no, we, we pulled from somebody else. But what's really interesting is, like, the very first time I, I played this song out in Nashville at a, at a writer's uh, club, uh, there was a, a young couple looking at me, like staring at me when I was playing it, and they were smiling at each other, and they kept looking at me and nodding. Uh, and I, when I finished the song, I said, do you like that song? He said, yeah, we love it. I said, Is it, do you have a, uh, a daughter named Grace? And they said, no, we're, in, we're visiting from California, and we are engaged to be married, and we've decided when we have a daughter, her name's going to be Grace. And I said, "Well, wow. let me know. I'll send I'll send you the song when we get it recorded." <laughs> <laughs> All these interesting little parallels and things going on in the universe. The universe works. You know how God is. He'll put you where you need to be, or put you in situations where it touches people. So, well, it, it's funny because I, I've I've so, talked about this on air. Is that my husband? A while back, had been very, very ill. We came close to losing him three times, and spent about a month mm. and a half in the hospital. And uh, he at one point had been ICU, and the doctor literally told me that uh, if he did not turn around within the next six to eight hours, be prepared to lose him, literally. Mm. And I was driving home because we've got cats, and I had to feed the cat and clean the cat box in tears, in tears. And I was actually wearing a prayer saw that someone had just given me that afternoon. I had it wrapped around my shoulders as I was driving, and I came home. And I kept on saying to myself, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then it hit me like a brick. I'm asking for the wrong thing. Instead of accepting what is, I can't change mm-hmm. what is going to happen. But what I can do is accept it and move forward mm-hmm. with it and make the best out of what I can. And that was the moment that I felt grace. And oddly enough, my husband didn't tell me until months later. He said at a certain time, he told me what time. He goes, I suddenly felt so much better. I felt grace. He felt it too. I got back to the hospital about an hour and a half later, and the doctor is at the elevator door, and she greets me, and she hugs me, and she is crying. I looked over her shoulder, and there's my husband sitting up in the bed laughing, where I thought (laughs) once I got back to the hospital, I'd be planning his funeral. Talk about grace. Yes. And and when, yes. you, when I play that song, it had me crying. And I'm starting to cry now, so I better play <laughs> this song. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. but you sing this one. Why did you choose to sing this one yourself? Well, uh, the Renfries are still in the process of recording it. And we weren't going to get it to you in time today, but I felt it was a very important song to share. And, and so this is one of those rare times that, that I felt so strongly compelled uh, to, to get it out to the world and have an opportunity to do this. And I thank you for, if I didn't mention it earlier, thank you for this opportunity, you know, to share, share my music um, and share these messages, you know, to people. And I just felt like, it, you know, I, I need to get some version out there and hopefully it would help somebody today or make a difference in somebody's life. Uh, you know, and at some point when the Renfries finished their their version, you know, I'll, I'll be able to promote that with them and help them get that out to the world as well. But I really had a strong sort of push to, to get you some kind of version, even if it is, you know, the most basic demo that we do here in Nashville, guitar vocal. Uh, I still feel it's a powerful song no matter what. Well, 
This is Scott Barrier singing his own song, Grace. together like that and and it it really is a great um, example of of the collaborative writing we do here where I had this piece of music really to calm myself (laughs) that I had been playing for a while and uh, I just didn't have any lyric for it and it just so happened that you know that Andy Andy Renfrey wanted to put the words as he was writing about finding grace in this world and to to music and and brought me the notes that she had that we eventually turned into an entire song but i'm I'm glad that we reached that because i wanted to have something that was soft and calming and where you can sit just like i explained earlier you know step back take a breath 
Look at what you're missing. Scott. Yes. Scott. Yes, sir. As a writer and musician myself, it's always complimentary to me when people come up to me and tell me that either my music or my writings touch them in a personal way. I think that's the greatest compliment that an artist can receive. Um, do you have any recollections of, you, you know, someone you'd like to share who said something about your music and the way that the, it touched them? Oh, yes. Uh, oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, that, that's a very good question. And uh, it's, it's interesting in Nashville because so many people come through to uh, visit Nashville uh, because it's it's such a uh, a great place to visit and it's it's a huge tourist town now for a lot of reasons uh, and also so many people come here to follow their dreams and, and to reach hopefully reach those dreams and chase those dreams uh, so I've got uh, there I'm very fortunate that there have been a lot of times people have approached me but just the uh, this past weekend I was playing in a realm with some of my co-writers. Uh, I think I mentioned Donna DeSopo earlier. Uh, another one named Daniel Niehoff, who's an up-and-coming artist, and and uh, I can't wait to uh, have him sing some of the songs we're working on. But uh, we finished our set and and walked off stage. And really, in these writers' nights, these writers' rooms, there's not really a green room. There's nowhere you run off to. And everybody's in the same room, which is nice. So it's a sense of community. It's not like you feel cut off. From, from those of us who play and then, you know, jump off the stage. And, and this gentleman came up to all of us, and, and he, he thanked us uh, uh, profusely about what we do. And he said our, our music was great, and it was powerful, and, and we put on a great show. And he, he said, you know, he's fairly new to Nashville, and it inspired him to keep going, you know, uh, which suggested to us that, like many of us, because it's such a hard industry and it's not easy, you want to give up a lot. So, so there, there's just a recent example of where we uh, we gave a guy hope, inspiration to keep going and following his dreams, and and to keep trying, keep trying. Yeah, and it made so that, and it made you feel good. It made you feel good too. Yes, yes, and so it, it was. You know, you you walk out of there and you feel like, well, oh, this is great. You can't sleep. You know, I don't know if you have you had that experience where someone compliments you and then you <laughs> you can't sleep the rest oh, of the yeah. night because you just. <laughs> feels so good. Oh yeah, <laughs> I had a guy who um, told me. Actually, it's a couple of them, but this one particular guy told me that he hadn't read a book in 22 years. Just doesn't like to read. He find reading boring. But he picked up one of my books and he read it straight through in one night, and that wow. touched me, you know, because um, it showed that my message and my words had power. And influence, and really, that's that's really what it's all about, you know, putting something out there that will possibly change somebody, you know, in a positive way. So yeah, I've, yeah, I've uh, experienced that. Well, that's great. What, what was the book called? I'm interviewing you now. What was the book called? Oh, okay. <laughs> Curtis <laughs> has twenty-four books. That's back. Fair. 24 books. Wow. That's congratulations. But, um, and what was the title of that one? By George, the radicals are back. It's um, a little history about the um, radical Republicans back in the 1860s um, during Lincoln's time. And 
how they wanted to go a little further than just abolishing slavery. These guys wanted blacks to have the right to um, to become citizens, own property, and um, also to vote outside of being, wow. you know, free and liberated from slavery. So they were called radicals because at that time, those kind of ideas and that concept of blacks voting and stuff, it was radical. So, mm-hmm. you know, radical is used in negative, t- you know, terms today. But back then, yeah. the, that group, they adopted that in a positive way. And they went about pushing, um, pressing Lincoln to um, pass the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. Wow. Well, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, if you could send me, like, the name of the book or, or where I can access it, I'd love to read that. Because that sounds amazing. Okay. I'll give it Annie after the show. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Curtis, I'll give you, yeah, I'll give I, you his email address after the show, and that way you can shoot over you know, some of the books. Uh, Kel in the, in the chat room, Curtis, said she happens to love Spartan Direct, the Spartan Directive oh. uh, that was oh, one yeah. of hers. And that, I'm still waiting for the sequel on that one. You said you were going to do a sequel. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm working on it now, matter of fact. I'm working on it now. I'm okay. like 20-something pages into it. Nice. You have called, a name yet? Nice. <laughs> yes. China, China Checkmate. Oh, that sounds intriguing. It, is, it, evol- <laughs> it evolves around China trying to um, take back um, Taiwan. Mm, and that wow. leaves the um, United States in a very precarious position. You know, we, we have to, you know, come to terms of whether we want to face down China or give up Taiwan to China. Yeah, so that's very interesting. I'll be glad when I finish it sometime this year. Oh yeah, that's that's great, and that is a, I mean, that's pretty much a reality. I agree with yeah. you on that one. Uh, we're, okay. It's it's we're always like right on the line with that one. Wow, I want to read that one too. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I write military um, adventure stories as well, you know, and that's one of them. And the Spartan Directive, I feature our special forces. And I usually have them all working together in a task force, which they do today. You know, Green Berets, Delta Force, Navy SEALs, uh, Army Rangers, all those guys. That's very cool. Very cool. And Curtis happens to be a veteran. Um, So I'm going to bring this up to our next song, uh, which is Finished Strong. And you wrote this one uh, with Donna. I am not going to pronounce her last name correctly. (laughs) Disopo, she's a uh, she's my main co-writer here in town, uh, and she's a, a a fiery Christian conservative from New Jersey of all places, uh, <laughs> uh, who headed south, um, and uh, you know for for various reasons for music, but also she uh, she left after 9/11 I think to have a fresh start from that area of the country, that really affected her. Um, but we, we've become friends over the years, and uh, we've written a lot of songs. And as a matter of fact, I think I mentioned earlier, Donna uh, got me into writing uh, the film and TV stuff the past year, and which led to that. I was mentioning earlier we got that Christmas song in a movie this year, thank God, thanks to her. Um, but she's, she's a very positive individual and full of life, and uh, uh, fireworks fly around her, let's put it that way. Uh, but but we uh, – for this song, um, you know, we used Ali Louise. She's, she's another up-and-coming uh, artist that we hope for great things for her. Uh, but the original reason for Finish Strong, uh, the reason it even exists, 
is because I was contacted to write a song for um, an organization that was trying to raise money for, you know, cancer research and also support women who are fighting cancer. And, uh, and so we, I, I approached Donna about it. We talked about it, um, you know, and, and landed upon the, the title Finish Strong uh, and wrote, started to write a version, but then for some reason it didn't work out with the organization. But uh, we wanted to finish it, and we wanted to write something that was once again positive, uplifting, uh, and it, it morphed from just a fight with cancer to any challenge you have in life that, that you have to take on or choose to take on. And you face it, and you go at it, and you don't give up, and you're determined to finish strong. You're determined to see your way through it and beat this challenge or whatever it is you're facing in life. I will beat this challenge. And that, that's where this song came from. And I, I absolutely love this song because it's very poppy uh, on the poppy side of things. And, and so it's one of the more fun songs I've written with Donna. Well, Let's play because I'm looking at the clock. We're down to within our last 15 minutes. Holy cow, the whole nope. show is going so fast. <laughs> so, but that, that always happens because we always have fun shows. Anyway, this is your song, Finish Strong. And uh, who's, oh, this is sung by Clayton Jones. Okay, here we go. If I fall, it's not the end. Get back up and try again. Harder, never give up, never 
got the chat room dancing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. Oh. I love that song. It I'm makes serious. me smile every time I hear it. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's funny and, because uh, if you see what's in the chat room, some of these people are really creative with their graphics, and they they were dancing the song <laughs> in the chat room. Oh, that's awesome! Tell, tell them thank you, thank you for uh, for dancing along, you know, jamming with the song. I love that. <laughs> I mean, we've got people listening from all over, and I've got someone uh, skyping me, and also on the Facebook page from England. So, Lord knows where your music's going to go out tonight. And uh, awesome. our friend Mama Vito Sharia Vito said he's gyrating too. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. I mean, oh, is it a good time to say you're welcome? <laughs> and thank <Absolutely>. you. <laughs> well, the next song I want to talk about and play, and we're, we're down to about 10 minutes left, wow, is yeah. Making Love Enough. And one of the reasons why I, I did it in this order is that I mostly follow the order you sent it, but I held one song back that's called Can You See Me? I wanted to yes. end the show with that because normally I play. Uh, a, a song um, when the role is called up yonder as my show ending, which is an old Christian hymn. Uh, but I'm going to yeah. finish up the song with Ken see me. So let's uh, give a quick talk about what's going on. This is another one you wrote with Donna, uh, Donna. And I believe this is, this is the one that's sung by Clayton uh, Jones. I got that wrong. I messed that up. Sorry about that. Who sung the last one? Totally good. That was Allie Louise. And uh, she's, she's the, probably what is she 18 19 now i think and i know i'm asking the air here but uh yeah she, she's pretty young she's just out of high school and she uh she's trying to make it she's wonderful and and i think you can find her site ali louise you can find her on facebook uh and she she's really awesome uh, but uh but the the next song clayton jones he's another artist uh who's trying to figure out if he wants to make it i love his voice but you know he's he actually moved out of Nashville uh, back home. He's from the Midwest, and I can't remember where. Um, but he was happened to be in town, and we got him to do the demo, sing the demo for this song, uh, which we wrote, which I wrote with Donna, the Sopo, and also uh, John Stanislawski. And really, we were talking about uh, John and his wife, and they're a young couple, and they're they're you know they they don't have the most money in the world as as a lot of young couples don't. And so we were talking about the struggles they were going through and how really love is going to carry them through no matter what they go through. And that's really the premise of this song. And, and so this is really, I call this John song, John Stanislavski song. <laughs> but, but Clayton did a great job on it, on singing it. And I love this song too. Oh, great. Uh, someone just mentioned that he's not on Facebook, but, uh, or on Twitter. And I'm just letting them know that also, Playing live on One Way, MeWe, and Gab. Uh, we've got the YouTube video playing up there also. So here is your song, Finish Strong. My bad. I clicked the wrong one on the switchboard. <laughs> well, That's everybody got that to sounds dance familiar. Fifteen. <laughs> it's okay. Well, uh, when I 
when I do the broadcast, I'm working off of two different computers. So I've got the social networks on one. I've got the studio on the other with the uh, BTR chat room. So I'm going between. I keep on hitting the wrong mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's all right. Here we go. Uh, Making love enough. Four ball ties on a new used Chevy. Cookie job is down to crumbs and pennies. Rainy day savings, we ain't got any, but we're making love enough. Sipping two-buck chucks, eating dominoes, slow dancing in the kitchen to the radio. Savoring the moment, holding you close. Making love, making love enough. reminded me of when I first met my my husband here um one night we were had walked out of the bar restaurant we were at and it started to drizzle and the light hit it right on a manhole cover in in the parking lot and in the middle of the rain on top of this manhole cover the two of us were dancing because we could hear the music from inside the bar and it, it brought back such wonderful wonderful memories and I love it I think everyone here at some point knows what it's like living on a shoestring. Oh, man. Uh, Just to let you know, Scott, uh, because we're having so much fun, and I do want to get this one last song in and talk to you about it, I extended the show a a couple extra minutes. So those that are listening in the chat room, don't worry. We're not going away. I extended the time. (laughs) You'll have a little extra here. More for your money. Here we go. Uh, this one also touched me uh, really deeply because uh, my father was a World War II veteran, and he passed away five years ago. And uh, fortunately, you know, he was he was home up until the last two weeks, uh, and he passed away when he was at the hospital. Um, but recently, when my husband was critically ill, after they got him out of ICU, they turned around and they dumped him in a nursing home against the law. Mm-hmm. 
And going to the nursing home, and this place was the pits, the absolute pits. They send people to this one place to die. And mm-hmm. uh, I was walking always going to his room, fighting to get him released. And I was looking at the people there. It broke my heart. And yes. the hardest thing is for someone to die lonely. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, this one really touched me because when my dad passed, uh, my sister, my brother-in-law, my husband, and my mom, we were all there around him. He had people there that loved him and prayed with him up until the very end. And this song, Can You See Me, just struck a chord so deep. Uh, before I give everything away, tell us more about this. Yeah, this this one is near and dear to, to my heart. Uh, uh, I, uh, to give you some, some, some back story, my father was a veteran. Uh, in the Army, second lieutenant. Uh, he served during the Korean uh, conflict, but they, they sent him to Europe because he was a communications expert. He was brilliant. So he was, his job was to break uh, East German and Russian code, and that's what he did. Uh, and so, but he, he didn't end up in Korea. But uh, years later, when he was uh, sick with cancer, I, I took care of him uh, with my grandmother, Barrier, till the day he died. We were his hospice because he didn't have any money um, and d- different cir- circumstances put him where he was. So we did what we had to do. I, you know, I worked a day job. Uh, my grandmother took care of him during the day when he was very sick. I'd come home to her house and then I would take over. And usually I only slept a, a couple hours a night uh, taking care of him until he passed a- away. And so that was very hard, but I wanted to be there for that because he and I didn't exactly have the best relationship, and I wanted to spend what time I had left. Uh, And years later, after he passed away and we moved on, my grandmother on my other side, my my mom's mom, she was in a home, and uh, and, and thank God my mom would visit a lot and other family would visit a lot. But I I saw how frustrating it was for my grandmother. she was approaching 90. Her body was, was breaking down, and it was very frustrating and hard to, to see that. Uh, but, but we couldn't, you know, it's hard sometimes. You want to take care of someone, but you're unable to for various reasons. And, and, but thank God, just like your, your family, people were there with my grandmother, you know, in her last moments. She was very fortunate. But there are a lot that aren't. And, and so I wanted to actually write a song kind of based on her experience and her memory, and I didn't know what to do. Uh, and a little time passed after she passed away, and my mom, who I think is listening uh, on one of the sources here, uh, hi, mom, if you're listening, and, and family, if you're listening, uh, she sent me an article about a, a gentleman, a veteran, who was in a nursing home who had been forgotten about and neglected. Everybody he knew was gone because he was, he was about 90. And and I, I read that, that article about how he uh, – was frustrated. We found out later because no one paid attention to him or got to know him or anything about his life. He had outlived everybody. He had nobody left. And, and so when he passed away and the staff of the nursing home was going through his, what little effects he had, which was pretty much whatever he had in his room. One of the staff members who was going to put his clothes in the bag, probably to take to Goodwill, found a, lifted a shirt up and found a note and on it, were the words to the staff and uh, the, the person, you know, the, who worked in the home opened it up and read this, this letter where the gentleman said, you never took the time to get to know me. 
You looked right through me. I was invisible. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write to you about my life in this letter. And when you're done reading it, now can you see me? And so uh, the first person read it, and then they passed it along. And it, eventually everybody read it, and it kept spreading. This letter kept spreading until it made the news. It made international news at one point about this because it was so powerful. So when my mom sent me the, the uh, article, I, you know, I, I teared up. I cried a bit when I read it, and I was like, wow, I really want to write about this. And, and so I started writing the song, and uh, I finished a version, and I thought, you know what's missing in this is, is the voice of a veteran because one of the things that, that happens in our country and is really uh, breaks my heart is, you know, along with other people who are, end up in situations like this where they're forgotten about, one of our largest populations that is overlooked, forgotten about, and disrespected are our veterans. And that was really uh, breaking my heart. And so I wanted to write a song uh, to sort of a shout out to them in a way, uh, showing that they, they deserve respect and they, they deserve time put in. You know, and their stories need to be told just like everyone else that may end up in, in a, a home or sick and, you know, somewhere. Uh, but uh, so what I did was I contacted a, a, a songwriter here named Ken Molden, who's a Marine. And uh, he's now a bit older. He looks like Sam Elliott. Uh, he's a cowboy and, and he's kind of intimidating looking. <laughs> uh, but I took him what the, the version I had of the song and I said – I don't feel this song is complete, Ken. I said, I have a version of it, but I want to play you the, the first verse in the chorus. Uh, and I, I was really intimidated by him because he looks like Sam Elliott. And I played the first verse and the chorus, and I waited, and he just sort of stared at me. And a tear came down his cheek, and he said, I'm glad you brought this to me. He said, this is perfect. He said, I just went through this with my mom recently, and it was very frustrating to watch her go through this. He said, I want to finish, I want to rewrite this song with you. Uh, and, and, I'm, and so I was very thankful that we did that. I think we got a great version of it. And I, I'd like to think that uh, this song will touch people and get them to remember those who we forget about in our country, including our veterans. Well, the song is Can You See Me? And uh, Scott, I want to thank you for joining us, uh, being with us up on the show page. I've got the link to your sound cloud that people can find under your name Scott Barrier Music you have been such a joy to us and you've brought great joy to all the listeners here everyone loves your music and I wish you the best of luck and I'm hoping that my friend Michael will give you a call and uh, see what we can do to get your career a little bit further on but uh, what is the name of that Hallmark movie we should be looking for your music in Shoelaces for Christmas (laughs) nice so that's that's I'll what it's going to be called. It'll, it'll be released. <laughs> Thanks I'll for, for uh, I'm going to make my husband sit through it. <laughs> Good. Thank you. That'll be great. And But, yeah, thank you so much for having me on, on the air today. It's, it's a real blessing. And I, I just, uh, you know, it's, it's great to, to have folks like yourself who get music and other messages that are positive out to the world. And, and I really do appreciate both of you for taking the time to, uh, to, to have me on the air and, and, you know, to play these songs and hopefully we all touch somebody's lives today. Hopefully we did. 
I want to remind the listeners we will be back here on Friday, same bat time, same bat station, and we've got the producer of a movie coming out, and you can be soon you'll be able to see it for free called Revelation, talking about uh, globalization, the new world order. Uh, also, we have our guest, Dr. Michael Bussler. So we've got great guests lined up for Friday. So I leave everyone with this song by Scott Barrier, Can You See Me? And I say good night, God bless, and be safe out there. Beneath the stack of shirts, an unexpected.